0: (laughs) Welcome to episode number 24 of the Star Bros Podcast. I'm joined by my giggly bro host, Ben Skywalker.
1: I'm joined by my bro host,
0: Jan Solo. Uh, Tell us why you're laughing.
1: Why am I laughing, everybody? Well, listeners, unfortunately, you do not have my eyes at this moment, so you did not get to see the glorious hand (laughs) movements and gestures that Jan just made as he introduced this episode. It was fantastic and caught me off guard (laughs) i'm just trying to bring
0: some energy to the opening of the show i know a lot of people man it's alive you feel it (laughs) i'm thinking about um like the the entrances that robert downey jr's made when he goes to comic-con and just sort of gestures wildly and the crowd goes wild
1: he starts like blowing kisses and stuff like that too. he's just such a
0: somebody hands him flowers he throws them back and people go nuts over (laughs) fighting over the flowers yeah he revels in the moment he does how are you doing man i'm doing great it is uh we're right on the cusp of a holiday weekend so we're gonna get a long weekend which means extra star wars time if that's your thing that's my thing (laughs) it's mine Uh, I I don't know if you have any cool plans. Are you going to do any barbecuing or Um, hit a pool somewhere or anything
1: like that? Not barbecuing yet. We still need to get a barbecue. Uh, We had one last year and we decided to throw it. It was just one of those little mini ones and it was just getting old so we threw it away. Charcoal? Uh, No, gas. Okay. I'm not... I've done charcoal before, but it's just,
0: it's just too much maintenance. It's a lot of maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep going out and buying those briquettes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't, I don't know. I haven't really enjoyed And like every single time I just, I want to flip a knob and just be able to start cooking. Yes. Sorry. I'm in the 21st century. <laughs> um, no, we're not going to do a, a barbecue. <laughs> uh, we might go to the shore. We talked about doing ah, that. Nice. By the way, if you aren't from around here, the beach or the ocean we call the shore in Pennsylvania just so that'll come out occasionally. Sometimes you'll hear little things like that. And that's why I said that. And we also
0: say, um, John, we say John and we also say down the shore. Oh which, yeah, that's true. Down and the it shore. it doesn't matter what direction you're coming from. Did I say down the shore? You'd, I don't think you said down the shore. I said to the shore. You said to the shore. I'm not a Philadelphian at heart. Maybe that's why. But
1: a lot of people around here do say down the shore, which I like. I like it. it too. just unique ways of saying things like, Lancaster. It's not Lancaster, right? I learned that doing sales in Lancaster. Mm. I was knocking on doors and they're like, we know you're not from around here because you keep calling it Lancaster. Mm -hmm. I immediately started calling it Lancaster and people started listening more. Interesting. It was pretty
0: crazy. I I just learned something the other day. I learned the origin of a word that uh, is not all that common around here, but is common down the shore. So do you know that the people down the shore have a term for people from
1: the Philadelphia area? Um, not surprised. I mean, we visited a lot, and so they probably think many things about us. Yes. Right.
0: Yes. So apparently, they referred bad. to us as shoobies. That's a made-up word. Everything's a made-up word, but <laughs> uh, shooby apparently comes from back in like the 1920s and 30s. People from the Philly area would take the train down to the beach or down the shore, and they'd bring their lunch and a snack in a shoebox, and so you'd be able to tell who was from Philadelphia because they'd be walking around with a shoebox under their arm with some snacks in it
1: enough people did that i don't know to catch on
0: this is before igloos uh, the igloo thermoses and uh all that cool stuff yetis
1: yetis it's before people or as our our, our work just got us arctics which is like knockoff yetis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeti that's a popular one what's something like that that we get Arctic yeti with two t's and let's take the a off of it so people won't really know if they'll think it's an acronym that's i was trying to figure out what that meant yeah me too oh, until i like, pronounced it. it was like arctic oh there it is but it's not arctic it's arctic i love knockoff brands it's great it, it works so far i've tested it out it's working so nice anyway moving on from that what were we talking about? We the shore. Are about, you going down the shore this weekend? What are you doing? No,
0: we're not going down the shore. We're just gonna hang out. We're gonna uh, stay around here, and maybe we will barbecue. I haven't taken Ooh. the like the top of the grill off yet. You know the the tarp mm. that's over it that's been on there all winter. So I'm scared to see what types of spiders and whatever else I'll find in there. Just uh,
1: turn turn the heat up, and they'll go scattering. It'll just take care of itself. <laughs> that's cruel. I shouldn't have said that. On air, my bad. It's all right. How about we talk some Star Wars? Yes, let's do that. Because there's a, there's actually a lot of Star Wars to talk about this week. So there is. Let's start with news from across the galaxy. Pew, pew. You got the hand motions in this time <laughs> for that too. I'm gesturing wildly again, <laughs> I'm bringing the energy. There's a lot of news.
0: There's a ton of stuff. There was
1: a ton of things happening this the last two weeks. It feels like forever since we recorded, and maybe that's part of the reason why. Like, where there's so much to cover, but we got a lot. I mean. Some of it is really small. Some of it is just like little things that came out, which are interesting. Like there were some interviews with J.J. Abrams this past week. And yeah. then another one, both by Collider, actually, uh, with J.J. Abrams and Kelly Marine Tran. The la- latter one, I think, was on their um, ladies' night segment that they do for on YouTube. But learned some really interesting things from both some very, I'll call it politically correct way of stating things. like uh, Such as? so jj was asked a couple of questions about the trilogy mm-hmm. that he was responsible starting and ending uh the bookends of both of those and he he talked about how it's kind of a double-edged sword i think to to be able to take over these franchises and try to create because he's done it with star trek now and now star wars too and the expectations are always high like you're never going to please everybody it's just really difficult i'm like yeah Nobody can relate to that better than J.J., I would imagine. That, but yeah, then, I would imagine. Then he talked a little bit about uh, planning mm-hmm. and whether or not mm-hmm. the sequel trilogy suffered from a lack of planning. And again, very politically correct statement. I think he kind of came out and said, yeah, in a way it did suffer from that. But it's also he backtracked a bit at the end and said it's also it, it's tough because sometimes things suffer because the plan is too robust and too difficult and is not malleable enough. And, you know. Uh, you're not willing to compromise or change from your original plan, that can be an issue. And then there's an issue of not planning. And sometimes it's bad because you didn't plan. And Yeah. And and uh, two,
0: two responses to that. So I like the approach of not over planning. Years ago, somebody told me with my career that if you have a concrete plan in place and it's like a five-year plan, you stick to it and you get exactly where you want it to go, odds are you miss some cool opportunities along the way. Yeah. Because there's stuff that you just can't imagine that's going to come across your path. Yeah. And I think storytelling might be like that maybe surprising yourself with a twist or bringing in other writers or just sort of letting things naturally and organically evolve. Like maybe that's a, a fun way for them to come up with a story that even surprises the folks creating the movies. So oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too critical of that. Me neither. The, the thing that surprised me on Twitter, maybe shouldn't surprise me <laughs> about, about that interview was how they're basically two different camps that spun it completely different ways oh yeah and there's <laughs> you knew that would happen before it even yep, happened yep uh and like I didn't hear the interview so I can't hear like the tone of his voice or sort of how he's putting it out there but like some people are like finally we have an admission from the guy who messed it up that he messed it up and I'm like, that's not what he's saying. No, it's not. You read closely. He's being very careful about how he's wording his answers. Oh my gosh, yeah, because he he knows that that people on on Twitter and wherever else, the Randys of the world, they're <laughs> they're just gonna tear this crap apart. So I think I think he was just like thoughtfully reflecting on, hey, it's been a few years since I, I you know, it's been years since I, I picked up the mantle t- to bring back the Skywalker saga to the big screen. I have some reflections, and I'm being, you know, honest, but you know, thoughtful about what I'm saying. And some people are just like guilty. He's admitting it. He's admitting that he messed it up. And I'm just like,
1: right, I'll close Twitter again for the day. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, we'll let's just come back to this when we have clearer heads. Oh wait, it's still been, you know, five years now since we got. Oh no, oh, gosh, it's been four years since last Gen I. Mean, we've still got people so upset about it and raving. It's it's just. And it's it's fine
0: if you don't like it, but if the the main characteristic of your personality at this point is that you hate a certain movie that came out four years ago, that's
1: not healthy. Let's just move on. Let's I mean, move let's on. Go right. back to enjoying life and what we love about Star Wars. That's what we... Yeah. Let's go on to our next piece of news. There's, yeah. He, there's a lot of little tidbits. Go yeah, ahead. Here's a happy one um,
0: from the Twitterverse, which sometimes <laughs> doesn't deliver, as we were just saying. But uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by recently... The Make Solo 2 Happen hashtag blew up in a big way. It did. And a lot of people were sharing all the different stuff that they loved about Solo. The casting, the characters. Like People want an Ephesus Nest movie, comic book series, Disney Plus show. Uh, People love Donald Glover as Lando. And I—that's one of my favorite castings ever. People yep. love seeing the Falcon when it was pristine and clean, and there was a whole walk-in closet full of capes for Lando. <laughs> um, yes, I, th- this is
1: this is the cult classic, I think, of Star, of Star Wars, Wars. Wars. It totally is, and it deserves to be. It it, it has earned its place there. Uh, just the little stuff that even Solo does—the one that. I think you posted a tweet about this of the, this is a thermal detonator, not a rock and change my mind or yeah, something. Little stuff like that. Yeah. You know, just doing the uh-huh. noise. And like I feel like the love for solo triumphs over the hate for it. It's, I, it's I really weird. Yeah. I would agree with that. I hope they still bring some stuff back. Like Kira's story or Envis nest, like you said, or and they are <laughs> going to bring back Lando, but are they bringing Donald Glover back? That I, I don't know. I don't
0: know if we confirmed that yet. I have not heard that confirmed. That's for sure. I I could see a world where that happens, but I could also see it where it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's tough to say. We'll find he, out. He strikes me as like as a person. Uh, he strikes me as an artistic uh, guy, like a genuine artistic guy. And his integrity matters. And he wants to work on stuff that matters or whatever. And he's not just doing stuff for a paycheck, I feel like. Yeah. So if there's something else that like has his attention for a couple of years, like maybe he just won't make himself available. I don't well, know.
1: Yeah. And I think the difficult thing here is like, there's probably some contractual obligations, but they're related to the movies, mm-hmm. not necessarily to Disney plus. So they probably have to be re- renegotiated. So you can't just uh... rely on like going, Hey, come back and play this character that you played for the movies. So there's probably a lot more behind the scenes, which one day we'll figure out who's going to be playing this Lando character in it. And we'll figure out more, but you know, wait, time will tell. Yep. So that was one another piece of news. Uh, Filoni got a promotion. Yes. That was another one, right? Yep. Dave
0: Filoni, one half of Favroloni, which is the super duo who is behind uh, The Mandalorian and who some people think are behind the the future of Star Wars in general. And so now his title is Executive Creative Director. And your imagination can run wild about what that might mean. It doesn't mean anything specific yet in terms of like he's not already gr- like green lighting stuff or, you know, cr- you know creating anything from scratch because of the, the authority that comes with his new position. But it's probably not far behind.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a, a, just a vote of confidence and the respect that he's been able to garner from the fandom in his ability to execute great stories and tell stories that are good, not just in animation form, which is what he's given a ton of to Star Wars but then to translate that into uh the stories that we get in the Mandalorian and it sounds like the the Favroloni pair is really working well um I was reading a quote about them uh, about Favreau talking about Filoni and saying that Favreau kind of feels like the lawyer coming into the conversation and saying I want to be able to do this in Star Wars and Dave is sitting there going no this is what you can and can't do this is what Star Wars you're allowed to do in Star Wars and this is what you're not allowed to do interesting and kind of playing the role that George Lucas played for Dave just a decade ago yeah and that's an interesting way to think about that so he's kind of taking the mantle of George Lucas and being able to own the storytelling behind this and anything that you know, wants to be told in Star Wars has to run by Davis. My guess is how this is running, but I have no idea. I, I think you're right. I think um, I think he's taken up that that uh that
0: mantle, and I think pretty soon he's gonna start wearing like white new balance sneakers and denim shirts, and his beard to go is with gonna that go gray. Hat of his. <laughs> I mean,
1: it works I mean he yeah you can, can pull off any look that he wants he, he we're just looking at an image of him right now. He's kind of like Tyka who's wearing his what is that plaid not plaid. I can't even tell what kind of he's hat wearing that is. like a baseball cap that his mom knit for him or something <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah that's exactly the best description of that We that's, just finished watching uh for everybody at home the Mandalorian season two two in the background and it's showing the picture for the gallery that's what's up
0: that's like, the other the other day I saw a picture on Twitter of little Gordonson I think one of his kids I think he's I think he's got little little kids that's cool and um they little were like, Ludwigs. What's that little Ludwigs, right? many Ludwigs running around? I think they were at the beach, and everybody was dressed normally. the beach or the shore they were they were down the shore, they, okay Ludwig Gorson was one hundred percent in Wildwood, New Jersey, um waiting to go on a roller coaster and get some Rita's water ice, but he like everybody was dressed normally, but he was wearing like fluorescent yellow pants and like a pirate shirt. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are just like wearing. What you would expect normal human beings on planet Earth in this year to be wearing at the beach,
1: but not not Ludwig. Not Ludwig. He, I mean, this is the guy with like really long hair and yeah. all, like every instrument in the world, and he can play them. And you're like, how did you even come to find out this exists? Let alone learn to play it.
0: He he's the guy crazy. that like Favreau went to him and said, "Hey, I'd love for you to create some music for this show," and he was like, "I've got some flutes." <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I guess. Try what else that. you got? <laughs> drums. I've also got an electric guitar to go with the flutes and a lot of bongo drums. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? You go enjoy your creative process with your fluorescent pants, and we'll Show talk about what a month. you
1: got. Yep. We'll see if we like it. He comes back. We love this. Yeah,
0: it worked. <laughs> but if you describe it, not having any reference point, you're just like, "Wow, this person's
1: a crazy." He's this a, guy a, did what before coming to me? What, right? Like, because he had done a lot of stuff. He did uh, Black Panther, was it?
0: Yeah, I think he did stuff for TV and movies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think, and, and I think people have been big fans of his for a long time. I think even when he
1: was a college student, I think he had a following. Oh, I'm not surprised. A guy oh. like that. But um, he's playing hacky sack out in the yard. I play with him. <laughs> You know, it's funny you say that. I played Hacky Sack all the time growing up. Me too.
0: Sweet. Me too. Uh, I, I just learned today, I was doing a little bit of research for this episode over my lunch break, and I learned that in uh, college, Jon Favreau's nickname was Johnny Hack. Do you play a lot of Hacky Sack? He was the Hacky Sack guy on Dude. campus. <laughs> I wonder if you had one of the stand ones. Those were the best. The what? The sand ones. The ones I hadn't Oh sand yes, because some of them have like like the, the beads. The beads or pellets or whatever, and then some of them have sand. Yeah. Sand the sand ones were the best. Yep. Loved those. I
1: had a lot of fun. Johnny playing. Hack
0: and Ben Hack
1: Skywalker. Benny Hack. Benny Hack. I actually my nickname in call or in uh, high school was Benny. Benny? Uh-huh. Everyone called me Benny from tenth grade on.
0: Benny Hack.
1: Uh at least the ones in band. Anyway, let's move on before we get into any bad high school stories fair enough what else happened in the news so favreau or sorry filoni got a promotion oh bad news rangers of the new republic mm-hmm. no longer in production this was one of the 87 shows that they
0: uh said that were going to be coming out in the star wars universe and through disney plus and that was the exact
1: number that they had it was 87 ish that was in the give ballpark. or take 20 or 50. 56 <laughs> um no, they decided to move on from this one. And then there was, again, a ton of speculation as to why and lots of thoughts of its surrounding uh, Cara Dune and the fact that they decided to move on from the actress. Uh, why am I blanking? Uh, Gina Carano. Thank you. Uh, but who
0: was listed in the We Submit for Your Consideration, that yes. poster that they put out? Yes, so.
1: I remember that. Yep. Which, all right, we're not going to get into that. Yeah. All right, that's all to the side. We don't talk about that on this podcast. Go to other ones that talk about it, and then you can get their perspective. Here's mine. Uh, not related. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, here's mine. I Maybe it is related to that. I don't know. But my guess is if it was, they decided to just put it on ice until they know what to do with it. Yeah. Or... Maybe they have plans to bring her back and recast her or something, or maybe even bring that who really knows. Yeah. So let's stop the speculation. Let's just accept it's not going to happen. There's a ton of other shows coming out. Let's not forget there's 86 other shows like you just said. Yeah. That is not the actual number disclaimer, <laughs> um, but <laughs> there's so much to look forward to and it could just be. You know, I think that Favreau and Filoni were behind this one as well. Like, I think they're so. They're spread thin. They're spread really thin.
0: And really I think thin. that that's where my mind ultimately got to. Like, yeah, I, I did a little bit of speculating of what it might be. But don't we be all do. angry that we don't have this show anymore. Like, there's so much new Star Wars coming down the pike. And also, you know, speaking of the 87 shows and fact-checking that, don't come to this show for facts.
1: <laughs> come What's to this show. Wait, if they're not coming for opinions... <laughs> They're not coming for facts. What are they coming for? They're just lonely. <laughs> <laughs> if you want something in between of facts and opinions,
0: this is the show for you. So, yeah, it's it's um infotainment light is is what this show is. We I think we're more on the side of fact than I, I think. I That's think, where I would put. I think we try to put. I I think we try to stick to the facts as much as we can. Yeah. but we also like her hyperbole and we like goofing around a little bit. So there's a bunch a of bit, shows coming.
1: Yeah, moving on. To the other big things that happened in the last two weeks, the Bad Batch. We got yes. two more episodes. Like we said, we would kind of cover some of our favorite moments from them, and then we'll have an episode just dedicated to recovering the first season later on. You know what we forgot to do, by the way?
0: We were gonna we were gonna go and see what the Bad Batch was called in all these different parts of the world, like the title, and then literally well, we translate did. it back. All right, next time, next time, because the the one that I saw translated back into English was the Lousy Batch. <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it, it doesn't hit the same way it feels yeah. different um so we'll do that at some point yeah but what would you think of the last two episodes I'm, I'm loving this one episode a week thing because i think as a quick aside we've been kind same. of conditioned as tv viewers to binge the last yeah. few years
1: nah, netflix like
0: dumps that. stuff on you they say hey here's a whole season watch 25 episodes and lose a whole weekend of your life i i like this whole thing of like you know friday night my routine has become these last four weeks you know Wrap up work, whatever, you know, have dinner, you know, wind down a little bit
1: and then put on the Bad Batch. That's like my Friday night thing. It is. And then they're going to do it. But I like that they're kind of staging out some of their content in in the next Marvel one that's coming out. They're going to do it on Wednesday. They don't want them competing. They're like, Mm. tune in on Wednesday and tune in on Friday again. Cool. Since you're probably only tuning in to watch one show at a time and don't want to have competing priorities. I mean, let's just face it. There's a lot of fans that love Star Wars and Marvel, me being one. So I appreciate that. But I agree with you, the once a week thing is working for me. I like feeling like I'm looking forward to the next thing, not just immediately satiating that, uh, you know, that desire to know what's happening next by watching the next episode. Yeah, And I you think know. that's
0: good for the community because oh, yeah. it's not like um, with some other shows where you you can actually binge them, you go to talk to somebody about the show that you're just getting excited about. And they're like, Oh yeah, just you wait. And it gets really crazy. And then something else happens. I won't spoil it for you, but I finished the whole first season in one day. And it's like, Oh, okay. We're in different places. But and, and then,
1: and then Randy walks up to the cubicle and is like, did you hear that? Or did you see that part where this happened? And you're like, I haven't seen it
0: yet. Yeah. And then he tells you the whole thing. And then he goes, Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Randy.
1: There you go again. Sorry for anyone named Randy. I don't know how total <laughs> Randy moves. We love you. Um, No, so we got some good episodes of, let's get back to the Bad Batch. We got some good episodes of the Bad Batch this week. I really liked them. The third one was fine, Cornered, or no, sorry, uh, that was the fourth one. Replacements was the first one that we got. This one was like a, it was interesting. It was kind of a repeat of the, I felt like it was like the Minox scene from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Redone? It was totally that. Okay, good. That wasn't the only one that made that connection? Good. That was the first thing that I I noticed, but what I liked the most was actually the stuff that was happening with crosshairs and, and I guess the replacements, Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually my favorite stuff of this. But what, what did you like? Um, if we're just sticking with that episode for now, I liked some of, uh,
0: Omega's heroism and her her being brave and jumping down that dark tunnel and, uh, putting herself in harm's way to try to save the dad batch. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love that stuff because I think right off the bat, she seems uh, super gutsy and like an independent thinker and stuff. But that that was a situation where it was like, OK, you could get eaten live and she's going to jump in their head
1: first. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I did. I did, too. I thought the fact that she's trying to learn from them and. I think they're they're still a little hesitant of being the dad batch or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say right now they're like okay we got this other person but she's just like i want but, learn but from she's, me. I wanna she's earning her. their respect she she is you're right and the fact that she goes in after him gets gets what they need and comes back out fine not having to use her blaster and how proud she is of that and and I loved that same I loved that she didn't resort to doing that
0: yeah she found a way and and Obviously, and I just talked about Randy, but this is spoiler-ridden. So I'm assuming True. that you guys know what we're talking about here. True. Um, but she found a way to get herself out of that situation without using any violence. Yeah. It's pretty and,
1: cool. And I think uh, that earned the respect of, of the rest of the Bad Batch a bit more. Uh, the the best part was Wrecker making the room for her. Yeah. That was so touching and sweet. I yep. just loved that. Uh, that. That probably was actually my favorite moment. But let's get to the crosshair stuff for a second because... Okay, these new replacements come in, Crosshair is, is assigned to train them, and then they go out on their first mission together to find Saw and his crew, mm-hmm. and they can't find Saw they just find a bunch of civilians, Crosshair says, all right, well, let's kill them all then, and the one stormtrooper stands up to him, mm-hmm. and what I love so much about this, it's dark, really dark, Part, right I, it's like oh let's remember for a second this is star wars and yes it's animated but this is one of the things that you might want to screen for your children you <laughs> a- absolutely Depending on their age. a lot of people on social media were saying that they were like i sat down to watch this fun show on disney plus and then <laughs> this happened and this happened i'm like okay do i have to explain some things to my children right now <laughs> yeah it was, it was really dark it got dark there pretty quick and what i really liked about that scene was not not how dark it got uh i mean that was definitely part of it but the fact that the stormtroopers stood up to him mm-hmm. and you, you could kind of see this is at the beginning. They're still ironing out some details. They're still figuring things out. The Empire isn't cemented yet. And the stormtroopers aren't really dedicated to this yet. And as soon as they realize what they're doing, they're hesitant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're human and they realize what they're doing is inhumane. And so the stormtrooper stands up and is a martyr for it. And it's beautiful to me. That's the beautiful part of this scene. And then, you know, once Crosshair does the deed, the rest of the stormtroopers fall in line. And that's how you see the Empire becoming the big powerhouse that it is. It's literally creating fear. Yeah, they're scaring people into um,
0: into just into cooperating. Compliance. And to into, into being uh, complicit, too.
1: Yes. That's a good word for it. Complicit. So that's what I liked about it. And then following up with that, with Crosshair again, they enter the barracks again, which you notice are the barracks that... Right, They occupy together as the Bad Batch They go home And he sits down there And I just get this like tw- I, I I guess I see this twinge in his eye Of like I kind of miss my other comrades mm-hmm. And this isn't great I don't really love this But I've got this inhibitor trip That's blocking my ability to make that judgment for myself mm-hmm. So they planted that seed there And I, I just can't wait to see what they do with that Because I really like just
0: that moment Great point That, that is a moment where conflict begins to brew uh, I'm excited to see what happens from there. Me too. And it also Anything makes else? it makes Crosshair a little less hateable. Oh yeah! Like I don't think we should hate him. I don't think we should hate him either. But like in that moment where he orders the execution of those people and then executes that stormtrooper for disagreeing, yeah, he's pretty he's pretty dislikeable there.
1: But but he says the line, uh, "Every good soldier follows orders," right? Right. And he's got to do what it takes. He's just following his orders. Mm-hmm. Again, the inhibitor chip. It's blocking his ability to realize that this is wrong, what he's doing. That's really tough, really yeah. really difficult. Uh, anything else on this episode? No, let's move on. Let's go to the cornered episode because this one is probably my favorite so far. A great action
0: episode yeah. for one thing. And I think you and I were texting about how George Lucas would love this one because of all the chases mm-hmm. and the excitement and uh, the flying around and zipping around in the speeders and things
1: like that. I-, I felt like this was Filoni's way of saying, hey, Lucas, I saw what you did there in Attack of the Clones with that that 15 minute chase, uh, speeder chase scene. Uh-huh. I'll try that too. Yes. Let me just see if I can cram that yeah. into this one episode. Oh, I did. Yeah. Like, it was just such a, a power move. By Filoni to to put this whole well done, well elaborated. That huh. scene where you see Fennec Shan turn around and the explosion behind her, is just like oh, that that's a guy that gets cinematography. Love it, love it. That was
0: so good. Um, the other one, a little thing that I liked about it. So you called out Fennec Shan, so she's in it, uh, and she is a total boss. And uh, loved seeing her in it, and and she definitely contributed to a lot of the really great action in this episode. One of the things I, a subtle thing that I liked was at the very end when she crashes and she is basically off the chase, like she knows that she's not going to be able to catch up and get Omega this time mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and get to those guys this time. After the crash, she gets up, she limps a little bit mm. and just enough to remind you that she's not invincible despite well, none of these the people fact are right. she seems invincible when she's flying through the air and commandeering flying vehicles and she's a sharpshooter and all that stuff. But uh, it shows a little
1: bit of vulnerability and weakness, which I thought was cool. Yeah. I agree with that. I didn't even, I don't know if I picked up on that. Good call. I thought you were gonna say something about her phoning her friend, whoever that is. No. And but, saying but that's worth talking about too. Right. So there there's something that's planted there, which my guess is that whoever that person is that she was talking to is a middleman. Yeah. I don't know who. Uh or it could just be she's talking straight with the Caminos. Uh the Camino wins, I'm sorry. Because I'm guessing that they're the ones that are trying to track Omega, like they planted that in the end of replacements in the yep. third episode, that they need her back to be able to complete the work that they want to do, mm-hmm. uh, which I I would speculate is amounting to something. But the fact that they need her back uh, means that they're willing to do whatever it takes and need to go in secret ways to get her back. And that's a great place for a bounty hunter to enter. Yeah. yeah. Right? A, a, one that's skilled. And that's the other thing that's really good about their portrayal of Fennec Shand in this, uh, she's portrayed as very skillful, not just in getting her bounty, but in doing it in deceitful ways. Yeah, like she didn't just pick her up and run. She was like, "Here, let me help you. Yeah, let me, let me. What? Well, let me find. Let's go together and find the person she's you're looking sort of for." Tricky and
0: coercive, Ooh. and which is which is a good skill set to have on top of being a sharpshooter and, and
1: being yeah. able to um, hotwire a car or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, A speeder. They don't have cars, right? right <laughs> i'm just messing with you um but yeah i really like that stuff uh i know you liked one other thing of this episode i liked clink
0: a lot <laughs> um and i'm not alone there's there's a lot of people all over the interwebs these days who are going nuts about the the droids oh, in this episode the, the twitter first exploded at clink went create, one of my favorite ones was there was just a, a still frame shot of clink and somebody just tweeted how are you going to tell me that this is not a little kid in a robot costume? <laughs> I want
1: to see the live action version of this so right. that we can see the little kid in the costume. Yep. But
0: yeah, I mean like they're, they're uh, they play a, a key role in helping to get the, uh, the dad batch back off the planet. But you know, for the most part, uh, this is one of those flashes of there's a character who is not going to be a main character necessarily, but they all of a sudden just leave this big impression on people it's happened a million times before especially in the movies but i think clink is going to become a fan favorite i think people are going to cosplay clink at celebration next oh, year oh yeah
1: definitely i mean if they're cosplaying will row hood yeah if they're cosplaying him yeah they're going to there's going to be someone cosplaying little clink
0: you know you know what and i, I want to see so. uh, as just a quick aside i love that people cosplay george lucas <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally i love that there're just people out there who are like all right, i'm going to tape a beard on and get a denim shirt, like I said. Uh, and then I'm going to walk around and, uh, you know, just play the George Lucas part at Celebration. Okay, cool. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, if what's even better is if you can pull it off and, and make it super convincing. I mean, sure, that's awesome. Like <laughs> so, Some of them are. Some of them are really convincing, but that's, some of them are just like, all right, you're a 16-year-old girl. So funny that you mentioned that because this episode is... They go to the planet. I think Pantera was it? Uh, Pantero, I think. Okay. This one—it sounded familiar to me. I'm like, where do I know this from? And it's actually from the Clone Wars. It's a planet that was introduced in the Clone Wars. Uh, And I'm pretty sure that it's—it's the race of like blue, like they're—they're blue-skinned people. Mm -hmm. And in one of these episodes, they have a character that is blue-skinned and looks just like George Lucas. No. So, this is the planet that they they went back and visited. It was the George Lucas lookalike planet.
0: (laughs) Did I lose you? Awesome. No, you did not lose me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, uh, bowled over by the
1: awesomeness. Yeah. You should go check that out. I, I I realized that later. I was, as I was researching, I was like, what planet is this? And like, oh, that's, that's the same planet this guy's from. Awesome. And then he said that I'm like, oh, boom, there we go. It's awesome. Uh, all right, let's move on from the bad batch. Looking forward to the next couple episodes because they're really setting the scene, the, the stage for something epic. I can feel something great, yep, and maybe catastrophic coming. That's yep. what I kind of mentioned. Was like my mind is kind of going to like, all right, we know that Camino isn't a part of the Empire. We don't see them at all. Like they're just gone. So this is maybe going an to answer like why they're not. At the center of the stage anymore, in terms of like creating the 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 troopers yeah. for the Empire and stuff. So something bad goes go, goes wrong there, and maybe that creates a little war with uh, the Kaminoans, and maybe the Bad Batch are on their side uh-huh. too. Yeah, and then you're gonna have the the new Empire. Yeah, fighting it and duking it out with them. That's where I'm guessing it's going. But something's getting some really cool stuff is getting uh, introduced. That I, I'm looking I, forward I, to.
0: I, I think so. And I think that one of the things we're seeing is that the Bad Batch is being pressed into some kind of action because they're getting desperate. They're finding that they can't really Mm -hmm. go anywhere to be safe. Right. It's hard to lay low. Now there's the, you know, one of the best bounty hunters in in all of galactic history is hunting them. They'll probably just add more to the case. There's probably going to be multiple bounty hunters. And it reminds me a little bit of um, some of the story arcs in The Mandalorian. Where Mando and Grogu find that there's nowhere safe for them to go. Yeah. And then that presses True. some of the action because they have to make certain alliances and they have to do things to survive.
1: So they have to take difficult jobs just yes. to keep, you know, getting some food and right. getting some fuel to get to the next planet and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's kind of, yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good parallel there. Such a good parallel that maybe we should use it to go into our next segment. Actually, no, I have one more piece of news that will help us get to our next segment. First. Great. Lay on uh, me. So. We were given some new Funko Pops Ooh. from season two of The Mandalorian. Oh, look at that. And there's our segue. So <laughs> if you want to add to your collection with Mando holding baby Grogu. I with love that one. No helmet. That's the one I love. Sans helmet. helmet. Sans helmet. Yep. Good use of the word sans, a French word. Yeah. You can get that in a Funko Pop now, which is probably my favorite of the group. Yeah, I uh, love that one. Then the second favorite is Grogu with the cookies. Hmm. You can get Ahsoka with the Blades, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett, and the Dark Trooper. A Dark Trooper one. Wow. Yeah. scary. Medicine. So anything that... This is usually the uh, spoilery ones that they don't want to release before or right. around the same time. Like They want to give people enough time to see it. And then after enough time has passed, like six months or so, that's where we are they're like hey let's get all the spoilery ones out there because i remember with um when endgame came out Mm -hmm. um there were a bunch of the spoilery ones that i want i was like where is the one where spoilers for mcu where captain america is holding mjolnir i need that one and couldn't find it and then six months later they came out with one yeah so i own that one by the way you do i do definitely own that one and the one of stark snapping
0: Cool. Enough said. Do you do you remember right before uh season two of The Mandalorian came out, there was a little bit of a leak with some merchandise, and one of the things was a Funko of Grogu with the egg the tank, eggs with Frog Lady's egg tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't I don't know anybody who actually got that one. Was that real? Oh yeah, I saw it. Oh you did? Okay. I actually
1: saw it when we down, went down to the yeah, comics or we, the, with Chris um, Ryan's.
0: When we went down to see our bro host, Chris Ryans at um, Atomic City Comics on South Street in Philadelphia, PA, USA, planet Earth. Way to plug. Sorry we don't
1: have the address to give to you, but Google it. Google it. <laughs> um, Just Google Boraxium, you'll find us all. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's right. I, I think we saw it down there. Yeah, Very did. cool. Uh, but I don't know anybody that has actually owned it. But there's so many Funkos that I... I, I how you, can you own them all? Yeah, I'll, some, some will try. <laughs> This isn't Pokemon here, and and Disney will
0: gladly take your credit card and try to help you out with that task. They will. You didn't pick up on that. What Pokemon? Pokemon. Got to catch them all. You do got to catch them all. You're right. <laughs> I actually have my Pokemon Go app on my phone. I I don't think I ever downloaded that. No. I'm such a party pooper. I've I've been playing it for years. I just I, I deleted it and I went back and now I can go back and look at like uh you know all the different places I've caught Pokemon on wow. my work trips.
1: I'm, I'm a <laughs> I'm a Pokemon party pooper.
0: A little bit. It's okay. Sorry. Every party has a pooper.
1: (laughs) On that note, (laughs) that's the best segue you've ever given me. Thank you. (laughs) Let's go (laughs) to (laughs) segment two. Uh, More to the story. And this time we're going to do more to the story of The Mandalorian season two. Yes. Finish our three part take on the second season. And finished with uh, episode seven, The Believer. And episode eight, the rescue yeah some fantastic episodes uh remember where we left off grogu has been kidnapped dun 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 yep the razor crest has been destroyed dun 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 we're in a pretty difficult place mandu's get mando's getting desperate yeah he goes back to caradun solicits her help to get grogu back and that's where we leave everything off and we we start off with the believer so i'll let you take it away what are your what are your What are the things you want to talk about with this episode? So let me
0: just say real quick that, um, I feel like the right amount of time passed between my last viewing of these episodes and, you know, watching them to prepare for this episode. And I I watched them both this week and I'd seen them before. I'd seen them multiple times before, but I I had just had a rest and, and I had not come back. And so I felt like I was looking at things with fresh eyes, but you know, with the benefit of knowing how things turn out. So when, when, I initially watch one of these episodes like, and I'll do this with Mandalorian season three. I will get wrapped up in different things that I'm seeing on the screen. I'll get wrapped up in the music. I'll get wrapped up in trying to make connections and things like that. And then you have some unintentional blindness and I feel like you miss things. So coming back this time and not having, you know, the the burden of being a first time watcher or something or a second time watcher, I feel like I have a different impression of these episodes and I have a different impression of the believer. Mm. And I think the first time I saw it, maybe the first couple times I watched it, I got kind of hung up on Mayfeld and his, what I thought of as a revenge scene in, in the cafeteria where, you know, he shoots everybody up.
1: Yeah. That's how I thought of it. Um, changed and... my mind, what's that changed my mind. Well, I, I, this time I came back to
0: it and I thought of it more as a, it, the I thought the arc was a little bit longer. I think it takes the whole episode, but rather oh, yeah. than revenge of the Mayfeld, I think it's more of like Mayfeld's redemption, in some ways. Yeah, and it it matters sort of where you stop along the story, but I think it really matters where things end for a character. Totally. So when we part ways with Mayfeld, I think that there's something in him that has changed in some way, for the better. And and at the end, you know, we might come back to this, but I want to ask you you know, what's the, next ver- what's the next phase of Mayfeld's life like? Because thus far, he's been in the employ of the bad guys. Yeah. Even though he didn't love it. Then he became a bad guy, like a, a rogue mercenary bad guy. Well, then, that was all
1: he really knew. It was really hard to kind of shake that.
0: Yeah, and, and he talks at different points about being a survivor. and uh, But he survived the hard way on the bad side for the most part. Yeah. And I think... At the end, and I know I'm jumping around. I think at the end, when Kara Dune says, "You know, Mayfeld was killed in the mission," I think you know psychologically for him that's an opportunity for him to let go of of all that burden of his past yeah. and potentially be somebody new. Huh. I love that. But you know, we can we can go back to the beginning, and I think that Bill Burr's acting here is terrific. Oh, so good! It's so spot on, and I think some of the the monologuey type conversations he has, like for example, when he's driving.
1: Mm -hmm. with mando he goes well if you live on mandalore you believe one thing if you live on alderaan you believe another thing but guess what they none of them exist anymore yes you're like oh dude this is heavy
0: stuff yeah and 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 it feels like very it's almost like a a stand-up performance yeah like like bill burr's stand-up uh experience like lends itself really well to him delivering those lines really nicely yeah um but yeah
1: i i talked to you about one of my favorite lines that i laugh at laugh out loud at is uh it's too bad you're not coming along with this Kara. you've got a, such a sunny disposition Like i literally laugh out loud every time <laughs> he delivers that because it's so funny i love it yeah he's so good but then he gets so serious and and that's where you get to see like okay this stand-up comedian has acting chops yeah well how does that happen he does he's got some good ones he's got As, some range i like when i see him in 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 the scene where he shoots Valen hess and you see this like who's
0: like one of the one of the best short lived villains in
1: all of Star Wars. Oh, you hate I him think. instantly. Yeah. yeah, he's so good. And, and, and not gonna lie, the southern accent really makes it worse. It adds to it, right? You know, not because I, I, I actually think southern accents are kind of cool uh, for the most part. Depends depends on on the scenario, I guess. But like for the most part, I really think they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> to it, what's a bad scenario? Um, I don't know. Like, there's sometimes put your hands me. where I can see them. <laughs> maybe that's one no there's sometimes my wife will show me some from like where she's her family's from and the way they talk do you want
0: another raccoon burger
1: where <laughs> am like oh gosh this this went too far I, I am i am a city slicker i guess is what my wife likes to call me um what was one that she showed me the other day? Oh, she showed me one of like chickens coming on this one guy's property. And she, like, I saw that too. Right. And she's like, and, and the guy's just like, um, get on my yard, chickens, or whatever he says. It I'm was like, like
0: a how to video. Like he was like, if, if chickens are, it was, it was more the accent. If chickens are eating your flowers, there's one easy way to take care of them and just start shooting a gun in the air. And the chickens run for their lives. And I'm just like,
1: oh. Okay, this is how we live. <laughs> that that's the part of the south that I struggle with. That's the part of just like okay, moving on. Uh but no, that, I think the fact that he delivers it in that tone and it just for some reason it really did it for me. Mhm. Yeah. It really sold it really well. Moving on from that. Can uh, can I ask you a question
0: about this yeah. episode? Yeah, yeah. I know that we often get question to questions later, but I think it's important cuz it's right at the top. So, who who's the believer?
1: That's a very good question. I always thought it was Mayfeld, which, by the way, do you know what Mayfeld's first name is? No, but you told me that you did, and I'd, I'd love to found know. out. Migs. Migs Mayfeld? Yeah.
0: Does that come up in the first season? I don't
1: know. I don't think I ever heard it. I don't think I heard it either. So I have to go back and see what I said, but I I, I was doing my research this time, and I saw Migs. I'm Like Migs? Okay. Let's uh, just call him Mayfeld. Yep. Mayfeld works. <laughs> Mayfeld works. So... What was your question? Who's the believer? <laughs> Who's the believer? I thought it was Mayfeld. I always looked at it being Mayfeld because he's expressing his beliefs. But by the end of it, I think it's both Mayfeld and Mando. They're changed from the experience that they just had together. At one point, at the beginning of this, they were enemies. Remember when Mayfeld sees Boba Fett and he's like, oh, I thought you were this other guy. Yep. And then the other he guy himself. walks off. And he's like, oh, he's here too. Yeah. Uh, of <laughs> course he is. Like... They're not on good terms in the middle of the episode. They're like, let's just get one thing straight. You, we are not the same person. And, and Mayfield's like, I beg to differ. Yeah. Right. So they're having a reconciliation between the two of them and they both come out stronger from it. Yeah. So I'd say it's both. What do you, how would you
0: answer? Man, it's tough. Cause I think you could come at it from a few different ways. I think that you could say that Mayfield is a believer at, at the beginning of the episode in a certain way of survival in a certain way of life. And it's gotten him that far, but somebody wise once said to me, what got you here won't necessarily get you there. So I think there's a change in belief for Mayfield Mayfeld. So I think he's sort of one type of believer and that, that, that type of believer is a bit of a pessimist and has a certain outlook of the world that isn't all rosy and not to say that he's completely
1: changed by the end, but I think he sees more possibility to your point earlier, which I really like, old Mayfeld is gone and dead, mm-hmm. right? He he died there on Morak in some kind of accident and explosion. Yeah, and a new Mayfeld is born, and he's able to go and figure out who that is. Yeah, and what that means. I think he goes back to that village. That you he think passed. so? I think he does. I think he settles down for a more simple life, kind of like what Mando got an opportunity to do. And he settles down for a little bit and he helps open their minds up to what's going on in the galaxy. Yeah. And helps them to not be taken advantage of anymore. Yeah. Right? Because they're on that planet, they're kind of getting walked all over, right? Yeah. By the Empire. So maybe that's what he does. But he's going to take an opportunity to
0: be better. I I totally agree. And I think that moment where he kind of snaps in the cafeteria and decides that he's going to resort to violence, I think that that's coming from a place of him recognizing in himself that he's always had some version of right and wrong, and he was witness to something that was really wrong, and, and now he was a peon in that that group, so he couldn't say anything about it. He couldn't say anything. He was just completely oppressed by like all, the, all that entire situation, but he knew, like in his gut, that what he was witnessing was wrong. Right, and he was faced with it again for a second time, and his belief in right or wrong kind of came to a head there. Like he had to act on it in some mm-hmm. way. So I, I think that's part of it. I think another, another angle that I've taken on it is, you know, obviously Mando could be the believer and there is the belief. And then there's the dogma. And a lot of the Mandalorian series has been Mando losing some of the dogma mm-hmm. of, okay, I, I consider myself a Mandalorian and there's a code and this is the way, et cetera. But you know what? If I have to, I'm going to swap my helmet out. And if I have to, I'm going to take my helmet off if if that's going to help me achieve the mission.
1: And, and this guy who kind of operates in the gray area is the one who actually taught me to get that, to yeah. do that. I mean, he talks about that. Uh, he goes, it, it, is the rule that you can't remove your helmet or that you can't show their, your face? Because they're different. Right. Right. You hear that how oh, they're different. And and I think in that moment, you don't really get to see the facial reactions of the Mandalorian because he's under his mask the whole time. But you kind of get a sense that he's sitting here going, huh? Yeah. I'm listening to you now. I'm still not sure about you, but I'm listening. Yeah. And I think where it starts to turn for Mando is in the cafeteria. That cafeteria, a lot of things happen for both of those characters. First, he sees Mayfeld stand up for him Mm -hmm. and come in and, and cover in a really fun and cool way because he's in a position where he knows how to do that better. Yeah. Right. Cause he knows the protocols of the empire. Mando doesn't. So the fact that he's willing to do that, the fact that he's willing to shoot up this entire room and then say, nobody saw your face. Like, dude. Yeah. Like, how do you not get converted to this guy after something yeah. like that? Yeah. Right. So there's some conversion happening on both sides. Right. To become a, a, a better believer. Right. And, to have a little bit more faith. What however you want to translate what that means to be a believer. But conversion is happening within both of them, and that's it's a it's a really cool thing to see. It's really cool. I um, never expected that to be uh, the episode following the one where Grogu gets kidnapped.
0: Yeah. Right? And and right before the season finale. Like, right. Like, <laughs> but but it works. It works really nicely. It, it does one one moment where i think i a lot of people had to suspend disbelief a little bit and obviously we're suspending disbelief because we're watching star wars here and we know that it is fantasy and make-believe and whatever um it's real to me man
1: <laughs> but the, <laughs> sorry the Sometimes term I make myself laugh what
0: when uh when mando goes over to the terminal to scan his face uh-huh like a lot of people ask the question so Okay, so Mayfell can't do it because his face is, you know, whatever. No, no,
1: no, he could do it. He just didn't want to get recognized by Valen Hess. Right. He he could have
0: done it, but he would have gotten recognized and that would have blown their cover. So a lot of people were like, okay, so this is this terminal where you can get sensitive information about one of the Empire's most important assets.
1: And it's like, any old face will do. Unless we have your face documented and we just already prove ourselves that we don't like you. Right. Because your ISB or something like that.
0: But if you're a stranger, we'll let you know where the spaceship with little green guy is. <laughs> here you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Suspend belief just for a moment, y'all. Yeah.
0: But but like dramatically, that worked so well. That's when his like, face is you know, getting where the lights are going across his face and he's got that moment of like, oh, crap, is this going to work? Like it works so well. But at the same time, it's like, that's your technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, something's something's off there. Yeah. But, but okay. Moving on. Yep. It worked for what? Okay. Here's why it worked. We needed a reason to see Mando's face, y'all. Yes. Was, twice I've said y'all, and you're not calling me out on it. I'm, I'm trying to see what you're gonna do. I'm trying to be Randy for a moment. <laughs> uh, we needed to see his face, yeah. and they got a way to get it out there. So, yeah. uh, which was great for setting up what we get in the next episode, which we'll get to in a moment. Here's one thought that I had, though. Okay. With this episode. There's some interesting things going on in the storytelling of what the Empire is doing at this moment. We don't focus enough on that. And this whole season, we see it. So, first, we saw it where there was this secret, secret mm-hmm. uh, facility, research facility on Navarro yep. that they had to go infiltrate and destroy and all that stuff. And then in this episode, there is a secret facility, mining facility on Morak. Yep. And each time, I think. Uh, I I think this happened at least in the first one. Uh, Each time Mando's kind of like, but there's nothing there or that's abandoned. The empire has done something and and that's where it kind of clicked. The empire has done something where they've convinced they found all these places where they could go and no one's there. They can kind of install themselves and operate in the shadows and convince people that it's abandoned. They're not doing anything. Uh, And, and, you know, reinstall themselves in the galaxy in a very discreet way. Mm-hmm. So they're rebuilding themselves slowly, quietly. Mm-hmm. It's in a very, a very sly way. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. So I, I picked up on that this time when when Mando's like Morak, there's nothing there. I'm like, we've seen this before on Navarro and probably some other instances that I'm forgetting. But they just seem to be kind of, planting some seeds little places and convincing everyone like they're not they're not around anymore but they're trying to regain their power slowly Mm. and in a very discreet way yeah interesting
0: yeah i think that's spot on and i think we'll probably uncover a little bit more of that in season three if i had to guess
1: i would have guessed so too (laughs) i think
0: that there's uh that and and that's a that's an interesting approach rather than trying to flex and show off what power you have left trying to sort of sneak in and plant roots in people's backyards yeah and
1: yeah it's that's almost, how the first order came back though yeah so the to me this is kind of the planting the seeds for how the first order is going to eventually come back they rise like from that. whatever ashes i like that so yeah uh, that's i think they're kind of secretly doing that in all these and like kind of saying all right so how does the first order eventually come about we know that it's, it takes 30 years for them to actually get some relevance but along the way there's some failed attempts yeah right so this is one of those attempts
0: that that's how like um splinter cell works um, oh, yeah. like a, and, and like the old paranoia of like during the Cold War uh, in the US and maybe other places, people used to think that there were Soviet spies all over the country and that there would be an activation day where all of a sudden they would all stop pretending to be nice Americans and become the Soviets and try to take things over. And we'd suddenly realize that they were in every town right under our noses. Well, maybe the Empire's trying to do that. Maybe Maybe they're just trying to integrate into... Uh, the background for now, and then they're just going to come exploding out once they're done, you know, cooking up and brewing their force-sensitive army and whatever (laughs) else they're working on.
1: Which doesn't sound like it's going very well from the reports that we're getting, but hey, very good idea. How could that be easy, though? Good try. What's that? I said, how could that be easy? Like, Uh, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some trial and error. Yeah, this isn't... uh, 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 it's probably not the first time it's crossed somebody's mind to try to see if they can create force sensitivity in somebody. I'm sure. You know? So uh, there's one more thing that I want to make sure I talked about with this episode and then we can move on Okay. from my side, unless you have anything else. Uh, we get another one of those, Hey, Star Wars fans, you remember that thing that you really, really like? Well, here it is again in the seismic blast. Oh yeah. So we get, we get to see Boba Fett's ship, the slave one, flying around doing its thing being really cool like we we have seen in the past and love and then it uses one of those seismic charges which we we never got to actually see it destroy anything more than rock mm-hmm. in attack of the clones in this one we get to see it destroy a couple of tie fighters yep. which is cool and it's really satisfying and it's very satisfying just to hear that noise again and yep. people were so happy when they heard that noise yes. for weeks like the, the interwebs were exploding with yes. like hey you know that that favorite sound of star wars yeah oh no not the lightsaber sound yeah no, no that other one uh-huh yeah and everyone knew what you were talking about yep <laughs> uh that was so pleasing to hear but i did a little bit of digging so ben burt who is the sound designer behind a lot of sounds in star wars whether that's lightsabers or darth vader and his breathing um is also behind this one now we've got some insights into how he's created some of these hang sounds. On a what's up hang on what that's amazing what that that's the same guy yeah
0: i mean it's it's just mind-blowing because most people probably don't know ben
1: burt's name but Sadly, they love his work he's got a exactly they know when they hear it yeah they know his work how cool is that that's got to be cool Uh oh, to be like i made that noise well he did this one too but he is still yet to reveal how the noise was actually created oh, you're kidding. Made. So I was digging, doing some digging and trying to find something. And he basically, in an interview, just said, can't some things remain a secret for a little bit? And that was like the only time that he ever talked about. It. I couldn't find anything else. So listeners, if you have found proof of how that noise was made, please share that with me because I really want uh, to know.
0: I'm curious now.
1: Yeah, I am too. Let's move on. What do you, do you have anything else from this episode you want to talk about? Nope, I'm ready to go. All right. Actually, one more thing. I
0: apologize. Okay. And I do this
1: all the time. Why? Um,
0: I think this was the first episode where we saw the interior workings of Slave 1. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I think you're... Well, I mean, we saw we saw it a little bit before, but not as detailed as we got in this one. Right. I think when, when we go and we pick up
0: Mayfeld and everybody's kind of buckled in, they're having that conversation of yeah. like, what's in it for me? They got the kid and he's like, oh, the little green guy. Like, And you can see Slave 1 rotating. Yes with everybody staying upright, but the ship is sort of rotating around them. I think that's something that people have wondered about in the past. They have. um, I know it's something that people have wondered about. (laughs) You know, how does Slave One work? What does it look like inside? What are the different machinations and, and, you know, how is it
1: engineered? And uh, they gave us that. So thank you for that. I love it. It it was very satisfying. I I meant to mention that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay. Now let's go on to the rescue. Yeah. Directed by, oh, uh, well, we didn't say who was d- directed the other one. So that was directed by Rick Thamaiwa. Mm-hmm. And then this one, The Rescue, was directed by Peyton Reed, who did the Passenger episode from mm-hmm. the season, which was episode two. Famous for Dr. Mandible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ant-Man, and all the stuff in the MCU that he's done. He's got a lot of g- good stuff with comedy. And this one he proved he can do action just as well. Because there wasn't as much comedy in this one mostly just action mm-hmm. and that's what the like i didn't know what else to write down i was just like action 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 that's really what this is It's yeah. like the penultimate episode it's reached this point of, and this is kind of tying together a storyline that started way back at the beginning of the mandalorian season one when we found grogu it's trying to tie that story up too yep and so lots to do in this episode but packed it with a ton of great action yeah which was a lot of fun to see
0: so where do you want to start with this one well, That's a tough one. Um So I'm I'm instantly brought back to, it's like five o'clock in the morning and I'm standing in my living room because I've, I've told you before that for most of the Mandalorian episodes this past year, I couldn't sit down. I had to stand and watch them. Mm-hmm. So it's like yep. five in the morning and I'm standing and I'm watching <laughs> and I'm avoiding spoilers and I want to go on my phone and I want to text people and I want to look at Twitter and whatever and, I, and I'm not. And I just got swept away by all the action that you mentioned yeah, and the giant buildup. And I think... Like the last one, I went back and I watched it with fresh eyes. I have not watched this episode in a few months. And something that really jumps out at me this time is the setup of the conflict for that I assume is going to be one of the main conflicts of next season, where there are multiple conflicts of Mm, the Darksaber, Bo-Katan, Moff Gideon is still alive, and he's pretty slippery. He's going to find a way to continue to be a problem for everybody. Mm-hmm. He's not yep. just going to be taken a prisoner and then he's going to disappear and not be in the next season.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I almost wonder if they'll do some kind of like Loki thing with him. Oh, okay. by, what I mean by that is he's the antagonist. And then when you need the antagonist to help you a little bit, like they did here with, uh, with Mayfeld, he's yeah. the antagonist. And then when you need him, he becomes kind of the pseudo protagonist. And, and in this case he proto- becomes a protagonist again. I'm using the right word, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I don't think that's going to happen with him, but I do wonder if they're going to play some kind of like, we need you. We're desperate moment. I
0: I just wonder. I could see that. So he would be almost like next season's uh, Mayfeld amped up. Yeah. And and, and even grimier character. Cause I, I do feel like in the beginning of, the believer episode it's almost like the main characters all have to kind of like pinch their nose and agree to work with him of like oh this is <laughs> yeah you know this is so below us or whatever yeah i could see something like that happening again but um so to me like something that, like things that jumped out were like there there's major conflicts potentially brewing in the future and even like the dark troopers like the fact that they have those dark troopers like, oh yeah those aren't the only ones mm-hmm. so now that we know that they have them and we know how tough they are um, that just adds to the clout of the empire and could be an even bigger problem in the future.
1: Oh yeah. So to well, me, well, we the- see how tough they are. Like, uh, I mean, they talk about the improvements that they made to them to make them droids. Yeah. Right. To remove the human element. Yeah. Uh, how we saw how difficult it was for the Mandalorian to take down one. Yeah. So uh, they're probably looking and like, yeah, that was a great trial run for these. Just don't put them against the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then and and we'll be fine. Right. But, Other than that, they should be able to handle any situation we put them into. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think, you know, stuff like... Well, well, you know, what what jumped out to you in this last viewing? Did you watch it again this week to prepare? Oh, yeah, I watched it last night. Okay,
1: cool. It was fantastic. It was great to rewatch that one. Uh, So, here are a couple things that I wanted to pause and talk about. The first one is the intro. Okay. We're introduced to a guy... Do we ever get his name? I don't think we do. He's the pilot... That is taking our our friend Doctor oh, Pershing, Doctor Pershing, to I'm I'm guessing to what's his name? Uh, <laughs> here I am blanking on everyone says Moff, Moff Gideon. My yeah. gosh, why don't you just tell this story? And there's this really interesting dialogue that happens on the ship for, between the this guy who's antagonizing Caradoon and and trying to basically barter for his life. So that he doesn't get killed right, right then and there, and he does it in such a manipulative, conniving way that it it's very unsettling. It's very it's very creepy and slimy and dark. And, yeah, they got um, the right guy to deliver those lines. Yeah, but he does some interesting things. He's talking about how you guys that murdered millions, like like Alderaan, destroying Alderaan was our was sacrificing just a few people in the galaxy to try to rid our world of terrorism, our galaxy of terrorism. In his mind, they were justified to destroy Alderaan. Yeah. And he, that's what he says right then and there. It's like, but you guys destroyed two Death Stars and killed millions of people along the way, and you are evil because of that. It's like, pause for a second, dude. Do you hear the ludicrousy of what you just said? You, you just said that it was okay that you guys destroyed a whole planet but how dare they retaliate by destroying your Death Star? Yeah. It was so dark and sinister. But again, he delivers it in such a slimy way. And, and it made me still pause, as, as awful as it sounded, and go, huh. So is this part of this conflict? Like, does he have reason in what he's saying? And if not reason, do we hear similar dialect today around terrorism? We do. And and so I I I think it was a bit of a commentary on on terrorism a bit. I I think it's a little bit of that, and I I think it's
0: also a commentary. Well, more so to
1: me, it's not it was promoting a, it, obviously. No, no, no.
0: Yeah, more so to me, it was a a bit of a commentary on regular people getting swept up in major events, and I think that this is a theme throughout Star Wars. We've talked yeah. about how uh, George Lucas liked the idea of these old samurai movies that would show the peasants in the town that were affected by the feudal battles between samurai. They had no power to prevent these battles and these wars and these conflicts, and they were sort of swept up by them. And George Lucas has talked about how R2D2 and C3PO are representative of that. They don't have their own agency. They can't do things on their own. They can't affect politics. and like They're just sort of swept up in everything that's happening. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Clerks with uh with kevin smith but there's uh uh, i think it was in that one there's a little bit Mm. of dialogue about how look on the death star there must have been plumbers there Mm -hmm. must have been ordinary people Mm -hmm. who needed to put food on the table who needed to make a living and who probably didn't think that working for the empire was the greatest thing but they might have been desperate they might have not had many other options and so they became a plumber on the death star and that that's where it becomes gray it does feel more black and white to try to eliminate a source of great evil in the galaxy. But then there's also, you know, the plumbers and the custodians and the people who, you know, know, fix the lights when the light bulb goes out or something. And
1: it's like, well, do those people deserve to get blown up? Right. Yeah. They don't. Right. No, first of all, nobody does. But then again, if you're, if you're the one blowing up, then, and that's what the lesson I took from this is like, you can't fight terror with terror or terrorism with terror. Yeah. 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 You got to make sure. And that's where the hard part is, is like that, Luke was just this unassuming kid that came into the battle and happened to destroy. Him. But do you think that that set with sat with him really well? Do you think he was everyone went back and was cheering or we supporting him for that? But as time went on, do you think he thought about that? and was just probably. like, probably, um, what did I do? <laughs> How many right. people did I kill in that moment? Right. <laughs> like that would have been awful. Like for... he
0: probably needed therapy. I would hope so. After that. I hope he got help. I hope he did. By the way, May is mental he- mental health awareness month. So if you feel like you need help, you know, email the Star Bros. We're happy to talk to you and support you. Uh, Things have been tough out there. Yeah, it's been um, so a crazy year, guys. We're 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 joking around a little bit, but we also recognize that you know some of these are, are real challenges that
1: people face, and, and we send you love and hugs. But anyway, back yes. to Luke. Oh, I don't mean to play lightly of any of this. This is just the the stuff that you think about as you watch these things. This commentary on war and on on fighting, and heavy like stuff,
0: that. real things that so heavy. And, and this is this is why people get drawn into Star Wars, right? It's not right. because it's pure fantasy. It's because there are things that really connect
1: to us. Uh, so. I want to move us on to another scene that I thought was really interesting. Again, none of this has anything to do with what happened uh, during all the action. But the scene with Bo-Katan in the bar there on that planet where they bring Boba Fett in was just really interesting. The first thing, you know, I think when we got done watching Bo-Katan in episode three of this season, we were all so happy she was back and excited and everything. And then you get to this episode and I don't know the way that it starts out. Like you don't like her. The way that she's delivering some of her lines, she's like, I'm beyond your, I'm not interested in whatever you, I'm not into a bounty hunting. I serve a higher purpose. You're like, well, okay. Okay. Like, does this not matter? And like, but the, the, he's got the child. Child's gone. Whoa. Okay. Like, this is really cold compared to the last person that we met. So something must've clicked during this time or she just, you just caught her on a bad day or something, but she's not in the the greatest of places is what kind of where I walked away from this. And, and then you have this whole fighting that ensues. And then like, she basically like starts picking the fight with Boba Fett by saying, you know, you you mean your donor? Like you didn't get that from your father. You got that from your donor. Like she's picking a fight with him. Yeah. And so I got to like thinking about what she said in that episode three again, where she's like talking about the zealots that have led Mando uh, to become the, the the Mandalorian that he is today and they're how they're wrong. Well, I was like, you know what? You're kind of showing a bit of sign of zealot here too. Like you, and it got me to stop and think like this, the Mandalorian way is it's different by clan and uh, not every clan kind of has the same vision. They, there's, in instead of embodying the totality of what it could be to be a Mandalorian, they're focused on individual facts of what it means to be a Mandalorian. So the armor is one piece of it or the warrior aspect uh, and not really to emphasize. Then there's some that emphasize more like the peace aspect of it and, and fighting for a purpose and things like that. So there's, you just kind of see that at play and see these kind of two clans um, clashing together is what I took from this scene. What did you take from it? So I, I, I kind of, bookend that scene
0: with the very last scene where Mando tries to hand her the dark saber and basically says like, I I don't want it. Like you take it. Like you you came here. This is one of the things you wanted to get here. It's yours. Mm -hmm. And then Moff Gideon reminds Mando that, well, she can't just take it. She has to win it from you. And I think of how cold she was to everybody, picking on Boba Fett, sort of disregarding them and looking down her nose at them. And then that moment, (laughs) Like that, this was something I really paid attention to. Like the way that Katie Sackhoff plays it at the end, there's a lot of conflict in her face. Her, her, oh yeah, wheels are turning. She's thinking through different ways to get to her ultimate goal
1: there. And which real quick, the only reason she has established this, that she is on that ship is for that, that blade for that. And it had to go
0: a certain way. Mm -hmm. It didn't go that way. It could still go down that way, meaning she could fight Mando for it. Mm-hmm. But I think she's conflicted over two things, and I think it's more one than the other. I think one of them is uh, I don't think she wants to fight Mando. Oh, no. Because of who he is, because he's yeah. a Mandalorian, because he takes
1: this stuff seriously, and because he's sort of in the circle with them. It, it's one thing to fight the Empire yeah. to get it back and tell that story, then to fight another Mandalorian yes.
0: to win it back. But I think even more than that, I think she's calculating in her mind and she's saying to herself, well, I don't know if I could win that one. Maybe.
1: I, I I also don't know if in her mind it tells as good as a story, of a story. Can she really pro- lead Mandalore if yes. she defeats another Mandalorian for it? Yeah. Like, why couldn't he be the one to lead them? I think that's that's part of the
0: calculation, too, because I think Moff Gideon even says, like, it's the story that has the power. Mm-hmm. And that's not as great a story. But I still think that on some level, she would just kind of just chop his head off if she, did, she if just she knew it. that it mm-hmm. would all work out. Right she way. wants it. She wants it. Like, she is still, she's like seething. I think Katie yeah. Sackhoff plays that so well because, Which, yes,
1: there's not a ton of dialogue. She's not moving around a whole lot, but you can see her blood is just boiling. By the way, none of this is critical of her. None of what I'm saying is none of it is critical of the character. I still love the character. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm just watching her have these moments and yeah. having these, these this high and mightiness. And then being humbled, really humbled. Yeah. By the end of this, like she's brought from a high place to a really low place, really quick. And
0: and I I've thought about this a little bit since December and since we first saw this episode all that time ago. Like I I wonder if um like season three picks up in that room on that deck of that destroyer, <laughs> yes. the elevator goes down and then like do they all turn each other and like pull their guns and weapons on each other? <laughs> they just like turn and look at each other like so.
1: What do we do now? Right. I mean, they've got the ship; they can just go away and do whatever they want. And here's the other thing: if you can't do that anymore, because guess what? Karen Dune's not there anymore. Yep. Right. (laughs) You've you don't you can't start at that scene.
0: You have to fast forward a little bit. But
1: we're all going to be wondering what happened after that. Right. So I wonder how
0: they're going to handle that. I don't know. I don't um, know. I've thought about that many times. I just I picture like season three the episode is, you know, whatever, the whatever, and, you know, fill in the blank. And then it's just like, elevator's gone guns pulled like you know they're they're they all sort of like roll and tumble and hide behind like you know uh, uh like a computer
1: terminal waiting yeah
0: and they're yelling over the computer terminals let's talk this out like <laughs> like that kind of thing
1: yeah um, and, and, and somewhere in all this Moff Gideon just like go at each other
0: so that I can yep. just move on with my life yep so yeah I wonder yeah. what's gonna happen there but that you know that, that you're going back to the scene that you're talking about where she's kind of picking on them and there's a cool thing where they shoot the flamethrowers at each other and stuff yeah. like yeah uh, I in my mind I bookend bookend that with like that really tense moment that is still unresolved to this day. I can't wait to see how
1: they kind of resolve that situation. I same and where they go from here, you know. And and so one more thing that we'll talk about, and then we'll get to some of our closing points of this episode, and and or the questions that we have lingering going into season three, I should say. But let's get to the main point first, mm-hmm. which this episode did something that none of us expected and it brought back luke skywalker and i remember <laughs> i remember waking up that morning like you mentioned like didn't want to see all the spoilers and and you know in our Broaxium group chat uh, that we've got going on, all the bro hosts are talking about, uh, you know, the episode and, and stuff, and and we have this thing where Chris says, "Dude," the D O O O O O D, mm-hmm. like, and so like, and like more more O's is a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> this time it was like, how many times can I say, "Dude," because <laughs> it was just so crazy. And they're really, good. they're all so nice to me because I'm usually the last one that sees it. Um, not spoiling anything in the group. Yeah, people but, are good about that. But, in, but that's what I group. woke up to was just dude and like couldn't understand like they went there they did it and then i saw it that night i'm like oh my gosh i know where this is going because as soon as i saw the x-wing i was like they're going with luke this is luke who who flies around solo in an x-wing who's that daring luke that's it yep only person so but i love the reveal the slow reveal even the music doesn't hint anything that's what i picked up on this time the music just kind of Hints that he's special and something's going on, but you don't know what. It's mysterious sounding, and it, like you said, it's orchestral. It slowly kind of introduces fact. Uh, 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 it becomes orchestral at it first. Becomes, it's like yes. that droning guitar and like some yes. more
0: you know modern Ludwig stuff. And exactly, but it slowly transitions into Luke. Yep, as he's revealed. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's really nicely done. And I, I a few different shots that I love there. I love the shots of camera looking at the screen on like one of the security terminals up on the bridge
1: oh yeah because
0: it's a little bit grainy and you can't really tell and that's part of like I think I think a really nice slow reveal that they did yeah um, you, you you really can't see a whole lot it's more of like moving shadows and things like that and then you get a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and that's I think that one of the things that I loved right off the bat was like that weekend there was a million reaction videos mm-hmm. on YouTube People like brought to tears mm-hmm. um, and, and I still get goosebumps when I think about it. When you, when you see the green saber and you realize what's happening, like it, it's, it's a goosebumps kind of moment, but yeah, that that was, there was so much speculation leading up to that of like, who's going to answer the call if yeah. anyone and who better
1: to answer the call. And, well, and I think we all said it would, it should be Luke, but it, it won't be, be, but it won't be. How could it be? How? They won't yeah. do that. Oh, they could use that technology that they used that one time in in Rogue One. They did it on two characters there. What's to stop them from doing it again? We yeah. completely forgot about that. And they did a great job there. So it's funny you say that because then I I just saw on on Twitter again that you don't spend much time there. Just just don't. Um, there's a conversation of people going. So now that it's been a few months since that scene, what is everyone's reactions to it? Mine is less positive. And then I saw all these comments. It's like, oh, I don't like it anymore. What I'm like why what changed they're like the cgi is terrible when you look at him like okay but it got you luke back so be quiet like we got luke back <laughs> aren't we we can't be happy about it we can't have anything nice we this is lying. why we can't have nice things so i was surprised to see that but me my reaction again watching this is just getting excited at the reveal and noticing the details like the music this time and just feeling like you got this great closure with grogu's story uh like he finally has found a jedi he he hasn't been with the jedi for 30 years 40 years i i'm i'm not mathing very well today uh, ballpark yeah yeah
0: um i th- I think it's 23 years after return of the jedi oh, be quiet <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh i thought you were just pulling my leg again um because i'm too used to that now <laughs> But it's been such a long time since he's been back with a Jedi, and he feels... As soon as he sees R2-D2, he feels like he's safe and he can well, do it. I wanted to
0: ask you about that, too, because R2-D2 does... So I really tried to pay attention to this this time, because people kind of mentioned it to me before. This is not something I originally spotted for myself, but R2 rolls in, kind of looks around, retracts his front tread, like his front leg, and then tips forward a little bit to Look at him and looks at him and kind of has... An excited reaction. He is excited. He rocks back and forth and beeps and whistles yes. and stuff. I, I think, you know, a lot of people have speculated that um, they knew one another, that they crossed paths, and that maybe R2 had something to do with saving Grogu from Order 66.
1: Maybe. I got to think about where he was during Order 66 again and, and all that. There's that's There's that's a good chance. Or played some part in kind of his survival
0: in between yeah. that event and... You know, what? What whenever he got onto whatever path that kept him safe for all those years.
1: And here's, this is a theory that just sprouted into my head. So hold up, bear with me for a second. My theory is that there is a lesson learned from that, that whole experience, right? That this is a very special individual. It'll take a long time for their power to fully manifest itself. But when it does, just like Yoda, it has the possibilities of leading the galaxy and helping it to be reborn mm-hmm. and with the Jedi leading again so it's really critical that he survives very critical and I'm gonna guess that Luke understands that and for that reason protects him a little bit differently and for that reason he is still alive mm. at the time of 30 like years that. later um, they learned his lesson their lesson from when he was in the Jedi Academy Academy and uh, when whatever happened with him he he was protected by r2 or or however he survived that right they don't want to relive that or risk that again and so they're going to take some different precautions this time so he did not get destroyed at luke's temple that is my theory i like that let's wait and see what actually happens
0: yeah but anyway you know what i worry about i worry that it's going to go in a direction uh much like a lot of Yoda's story. so now we're getting a little bit more of Yoda's story because he's a character in the High Republic comics and books and stories. Mm. Um, so we're getting a little bit of him from the Golden Age of the Jedi. But for the most part, most of Yoda's life will remain a mystery. I think. Yep. I think. I think there's a lot that's kind of considered sacred, and and we just we won't ever get to know very much about Yoda's upbringing and when he was a kid and whatever. I think the opposite's going to be kind of true with Grogu we're going to get to know him a little bit when he was very young and we're not going to know much more about his distant future. Like we're not going to know Grogu when he's 800. Yeah. And the impact he's having on the galaxy. That's true. I don't know if they'll ever give us that. Maybe they will. Might be a while away. I mean, (laughs) it might be a while away, but yeah, (laughs) that that, that's one of the big questions I have about season three. Yep. Let's get into that now. So big questions going into season three. What's your first one? My first one is uh, building off of that. Does season three in any way focus on Grogu or is Grogu kind of out of sight
1: with Luke for a
0: big part of season three or all of season three?
1: I mean, my thought is that he's done in the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and maybe we get him in some other way. Or if he shows up, actually, no, strike that. Uh, He is done in the Mandalorian, but he is going to show up one more time at least to hold true to uh, Mandalorian's promise that he will see him again. Okay. So oh, like I that. do think he'll fulfill that promise, but otherwise, his story will be told in other ways. It's not done being told though. It can't be like they talk about Disney and the merchandising opportunity and how great it is. Like people just this is a money maker to have him there, right? You invested so much in this character, people love him. People called this the Grogu show or the Baby <laughs> the Yoda show. I mean, so you can't get rid of him. You have to find a way to bring him back in but does it make sense anymore now that we've got such a satisfying ending in this? Probably not. Not yeah. as, unless it's as a cameo.
0: That, that That's my conflict too, is you cleaned it up so nicely. It ended better than I could have imagined. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we need to mess with that. Um, does, is he wearing different, a different outfit when we see him again? I don't know. I don't think about that. <laughs> Why are you thinking about that? Does he have a cute little like green lightsaber? Oh,
1: Maybe. Maybe he's got a little, uh, yeah, let's hope for that. Like a little pencil-sized lightsaber? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's hope for that. Chopsticks or something, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. I hope so, yeah. I hope so, too. We'll Uh, see. What other questions do I have from from the next season? Uh, What's just going to be the plot? And not just the plot of Mandalorian, but the plot of Book of Boba Fett. That one, I feel like they kind of started a little bit more, and they said, all right, he's in the seat now, and like the whole world is our... Oh, or whatever the saying is like we can do so much with this now so lots to explore there but what do you explore in the mandalorian yeah what's left what do you do next i think they're going to get more focused on the mandalorian now and not just the individual mandalorian the race of mandalorian
0: uh i th- I think you're right too because I, and, and you know the dark savers is now part of things and we've we've Boca seen Tan's part of that We've seen Mando run into other Mandalorians who don't fit his standards in some ways of what a Mandalorian should be. And and that's caused him to reconsider. And I think, you know, from the beginning when he went back and and picked up Grogu to this moment where he's dropped him off, I feel like a lot has fundamentally changed for him. And I think he kind of has to catch his breath and reconsider who he is. Yeah. And he's probably been asking himself questions all along the way. And like Mayfeld probes him a little bit Mm -hmm. and probably causes him to ask himself some questions But now it's like, if he has a chance to catch his breath, I think he has to think a little bit about, all right, am I the guy who always keeps the helmet on? Is that really important? Or is being a Mandalorian something more internal and not an external signal to the outside world? Like, I think that there's going to be some inner conflict, but yeah, I I think that the internal Mandalorian to Mandalorian conflict is going to be a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And then there's probably something no and Favreau and Filoni. There's probably something that was a seed that was planted clearly in the season. That will make a lot of sense as it blooms into a big conflict in this third yeah. season.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I, there, there's something I didn't really pick up on anything that I could say like, okay, they're going to, other than the, the conflict with Bo-Katan and, and the dark saber that they could keep going with, but we'll just wait and find out what it is that they do. Uh, but I do think it's, it's, it's going to be able to go and tell its own story. I do think this is my one speculation of who we're going to see Sabine Wren, I think is going to come in uh, because she's a Mandalorian that's somewhere out there doing something and maybe the events of, uh, she might come into a Soka story first or something like that. But yeah, um, there, there feels like there's a lot of stories being told around this same time. And, Uh, And then I I did read something today about how Favreau took a little bit of inspiration from Game of Thrones, which I have not seen, but apparently it, it talks about, or it has like all these different stories happening at once that sometimes cross paths and things like that. So, and you see that kind of unfolding, it's going to create all these other stories, but they're still going to kind of play together in the same sandbox occasionally. So maybe you'll see like Sabine get introduced over in Ahsoka and then come into the Mandalorian at some point. She is a Mandalorian. She should. And she's out there, so maybe that's what happens. Okay. I like that. Uh, other than that, I just don't know. But I think this is going to focus more on the broader conflict of reuniting the Mandalorians. Which makes up another question. Will we get the Armorer back finally? Oh, yeah. I would love that. I would. I hope so. I was a big fan of the Armorer. That would be do. really cool to get her back. And and that's one of the things that seeds I think they planted was the idea now is in mandolin's mind of are these is this sect that brought me up a zealot sect like a, am i what she say she says that i am or not and she's gonna to have to reconcile this armor bo conflict that's in his head i'm done <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at me like okay i'm pondering i'm, I'm taking it
0: in yeah it, it's it's really tough to say where they're going to go with it and it could be one of those things where Episode one of season three, they establish the new conflict in a real clear way, and we
1: go, "Oh, okay, cool." Trailer two, yeah. they will establish something. They have to hook us in the trailer to get us to all want to watch it. Good call. At least the ones that are casually watching it. Good call. They will shed some light as to what the what they're after in in the second trailer. It's just wait a few more months, and we'll we'll learn a little bit.
0: And and also like 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 you mentioned the book of Boba Fett. Is something that we will get this year so we'll get the book of boba Mm -hmm. fett in december and that could set something up too i think we're going to get Cobb vanth in that that's my guess because if it's going to take
1: place on tatooine there's going to be some conflicts with the residents and that's maybe where Cobb vanth comes back in back in makes sense but i think that perhaps in
0: the course of that story they might uncover something that becomes a conflict for the mandalorian the next season good point but I'll, i'll one thing i'll say real quick about the game of thrones thing so I, I didn't make it through the whole series, but I think one of the things that stuck in my mind was that it would just follow different people all the time, different families, different storylines and yeah. so on. Like Favreau said, I think the Mandalorian's always going to be about Din. I think it's always going to follow him. It has to. It's not going to abandon him to go follow the storyline of Bo-Katan for three episodes, Mm -mm. then come back to him. Um, I think that's going to be one major difference. Yeah, you can have a big ensemble cast with a lot of different characters that cause different conflicts and have different dynamics. And have their own stories play out uh, elsewhere. Yeah. But but a lot of them are going to be secondary because Din is going to be the main character.
1: In his story. In his story. So if Ahsoka comes into his story... She'll be secondary. Right. But if Mandalorian goes into her story, it's going to be Ahsoka's story. Correct. You know, whatever they decide to do. I think that's spot on. Yeah. That would be really cool to see them play these next few yeah. episodes or next few series out like that. Like, yep. hey, all these different things are happening and everything. They're they're going to crisscross sometimes, but also remain in their own camps yeah. and solve their own individual conflicts. But sometimes those conflicts come to a head together. Do, do you think they'll find any way
0: to connect uh, the High Republic to... Like, will, no. the, will, will there be nods back to like, will they say something oh, about Starlight Beacon? or like may,
1: a, Maybe, maybe little ones like that. I wouldn't put that past them. Um, but they haven't introduced any until they introduce something in live action. No. Okay. It's going to be Easter eggs. Uh, Usually that kind of stuff is like, hey, here's a little Easter egg for the super fans. But right. we I know how everyone's going to pick this up. So we can't really make this a whole thing. I love stuff like that. Plus, it's it was so long ago. Yep. So like who who was alive now that knows that? Or in the time of the Mandalorian. The it would moment. just be handed down. It would be like legend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they might be able to do something. Well, let's wrap up. Okay. That was a fun episode. We could just talk forever, couldn't we?
0: Yeah. I just uh, I just love the Mandalorian. I love revisiting it. Um, I'm glad I took a little break because I could see it with fresh eyes, like I said.
1: But yeah, um, we'll man, do. it holds
0: up for me. Uh,
1: I, th- I totally. think it's terrific stuff. I can t- couldn't agree more. So what are we going to be talking about next time?
0: Oh, we are going to be talking about... Our favorite lightsaber battles, favorite
1: lightsaber duels, lightsabers
0: in general, and and gonna
1: rank. I'm so excited for this. So, this is one of those when when we started the podcast, I was like, I want to do this topic, but I want to wait until we have listeners that can listen to it. (laughs) And now we have some more listeners. And so, I'm really excited to talk about it. Aren't all three of you excited? (laughs) It's more than that. and so excited to talk about this topic and you got me a great book for my birthday last year maybe about lightsabers so I'll, I'll be pulling that back out and, and looking at it again so cannot wait to talk about this one until then we just want to say thank you again to all of our listeners thank you for being here thank you for being part of the conversation with us and for listening thank you for uh for tuning in and and for sharing us with your friends hopefully you are share us our channel bro axiom with them you can find us on twitter at star bros podcast you can email us at the star podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook have i missed anything i think that's all the the big ones um and, and definitely check out the bro axiom youtube channel yes all the great stuff on there the quick shots that cover the comics and it's all good stuff so make sure you check us all out and all the the bro hosts there uh contributing to the the wonderful world of star wars what else have we got I think there's one more thing. One more thing. Your turn.
0: My turn for the one more thing?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a trap! (laughs) The wrong one. Not (laughs) trap. What do you mean? It's a wrap. It
0: is a wrap. Let me try that again. (laughs) It's a (laughs) wrap! It went literal.